about to feed them to the sharks right now. Get them hype right now. Yeah. You know the ground is up. Yeah. Everybody that trains, you know the game. Yeah. So let's get it. Uh. Slap it up, bump it and roll. Hey. Yeah, that's the way that it go. Ain't no better way to better yourself in this game, you're feeling the growth. That's time on the map, we put in the work. Believe it ain't easy, I know. But we train for the love of the game, the love of the art. Now slap it up, bump it, let's roll. Let's roll. Welcome to episode 30 of the BJJ Campaign Podcast. My name is Jeff Boone. I'm an A3, blue belt, two stripes. Phil Coors, A2, blue belt, one stripe. Episode 30, Philly. It's a big number. It's a big number. Big number. Uh, and today we're going to talk about one of our listeners. Um, they wrote in and they expre- expressed a little frustration um, that they couldn't apply the techniques that they'd learned in class to rolling. And just as a little bit of background, this um, this listener is just received their first strike on their white belt. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? Yeah, most of the time, I just I see the move once, get it right away, incorporate it, rolling, bam. Yes. Yeah, that's how it is. Sometimes I'll just I'll see a move out of the corner of my eye. Other people rolling, I'm like, that's for me. Yeah. Said yeah. no one in jujitsu ever. Yeah, so I don't know. I still I feel like I didn't even roll by the time I had one stripe. Like you didn't. <laughs> That's why you feel that way. It's <laughs> in the perspective for me. Uh, yeah. Nothing. Nothing works. Um, that's so common, though. I, I know. You know, like you're trying to remember what you should be doing and try not to, like, panic and then uh, trying to see which, like, remembering five minutes later, like, ah, should have done what we learned today five minutes ago. That's step one. So, yeah. Yeah. So it is a process. You know, you're like, oh, yeah, I could have I done that. And then you recognize it just a split second too late to actually do the move. Yeah. Right? And then maybe you've seen the move three or four more times when the technique rolls around again in the curriculum. And then possibly you recognize it and have 100 to 500 failed attempts. Yeah, I think I think around the third or fourth time you see the technique, you're like, "Oh, so this time he's going to tell me about that that part, that detail that he was holding back last time." Yeah, because they never tell you all the details every time. No, no way. It's a lie, folks. They tell you every <laughs> detail every time. I'm so guilty of that. We're like, man, that really makes sense. I wonder why they didn't do that ne- the last time. And the next time it rolls around, they say the exact same detail, and you're like, oh, yeah, it's me. It's not really. Yeah. I like now when I'll tell people, and I'll use the example John always uses. Um, I, I can't think of one off the top of my head. But like, like an analogy or whatever the word is for what you're doing. And then John will bring the class back in. He says it again because it's his analogy. And the guy I'm working with will like look at me and be like, that's what you said. I'm like, that's where I got it from. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> but yeah, that's so common and still happens. I'm assuming never is going to stop happening because I don't think there's a way to kind of figure it out until you screw it up. But well, uh, until we know all jujitsu, which I mean, that's going to happen in a few weeks, right? Reasonable. 
reasonable <laughs> expectations. So, no, but not to make light of it. I mean, because it can be, you know, whenever you're starting, it can be frustrating because there's so many things coming at you. Um, you know, so many positions that you're getting into, and to process all that information, it just takes time in your mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, it takes. Boy, I don't know. I want to say at least four times of seeing a technique to actually where you can try to start implementing it in your rolling. I don't know, maybe more. It's a weird way to put it because it's like, I've seen, I think, I think, I don't know. I I get what you're saying because theoretically there, you should see the move four times probably in about a year yeah so it should take you about a year to, to figure it yeah, out yeah I think that's about right right yeah or if it's something that you're trying to do a lot like when you were focusing on the triangle it took you about like three months maybe because mm-hmm. you're doing it a lot all, and, all like, the time that's all to, I did you're yeah. trying to force that you know yeah I mean I was not doing the triangle a lot I was getting my guard passed a lot recovering guard and then trying the triangle yeah again. but you were the situation was coming up all the time yeah versus like um I've seen the double leg takedown like 50 times. 150. So it doesn't matter, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I'm not, I don't try to do it very often. And every time I do, it still doesn't work. So I feel like that, that also is not, for, seeing it four times is like a weird, I know what you mean. Yeah. But I don't know if that's like make sense to other people yeah and and i think too like the take home is i think that this you know i think that this listener's got the right mental attitude and that is that trying to incorporate it into the roles right the techniques i mean i don't know about you phil but every time we do a technique i'm going to try in that class session uh after that class session when we're rolling to incorporate whatever it is because that's whenever it's the freshest in your mind. Whatever te- technique that you went over that day, try to incorporate that in the roles. Try to, uh, you know, sometimes you can sometimes you can dictate the position, sometimes you can't. Yeah, yeah, I, I like forcing the moves in, like especially with doing the knife techniques. Just, <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know what you mean though. Like, because it'll be really funny because you'll do it and then you'll like see, the, you'll see the opportunity so much more while you're rolling that day because. You're just working on it, but so do they. Yeah, I know, but that's that's why, you know, being a good training partner is you try to get in that position, you know, whether it's top or bottom for your partner as well. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. To open up that opportunity for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's important. Yeah, no, I think that's something we do a decent job of is trying to, to work those things, especially when they're new or whatever and they're, and they're showing up and... I've done it a couple times where I fall in love for a move with a move for two weeks and then I kind of just totally forget about it. But it's like you see it that day and you start doing it and you're like, oh, I really like this. And then you kind of keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. And then you just, not intentional, but you just kind of stop doing it. What was your last one that you did that with? I can't remember, but I'm that came to mind because I had just been reminded of it recently. And I think it was talking to Yona or something where she mentioned it. And I was like, yeah, we did that in class and I loved it. And I did it a lot for like two weeks and then I forgot. And I can't remember what it is. Yeah. No, no. I mean, it's it's valid. And, you know, I would say turn that frustration, if you are frustrated, 
turn that into a positive in that make it a goal of yours that, that, you know, whatever those techniques are that you, A, at least try them whenever you're rolling, or B, if it's something that was important to you like the triangle was to me, devote a, a block of time to it. Devote several months to it, to honing what it is. I mean, right now, for me, it's that De La Hiva, you know, getting in that position, not necessarily the learning more sweeps, but just getting in the proper position because that position is such a strong position whenever you do it correctly, unlike what I was doing it before at Private with John. Yeah, so from their point of view, being like brand new, everything is going to feel like there's a million different positions happening, but if you kind of break it down or I guess think about it, you're really not going to be in that many different positions and especially being new with no prior experience, you're kind of going to always be in the bad position. So mm-hmm. um, thinking on the bright side of that, you know, at least mm-hmm. it kind of cuts in half what you need to be focusing on when you're rolling because it's mostly going to be staying calm and working on your escapes from the mount and from side control because that's probably where you're going to be the majority of the time when you're rolling. Yeah. No, agreed. So looking on the bright side of trying to remember what to do in those times, uh, at least, you know, you can, you have a good idea of where to start, right? Like keeping your elbows in and not just trying to push people off, you know, Wim Hof breathing on the bottom of the mount so you don't panic. Uh, you know, making sure your breathing is good. You're not freaking out and tapping just to pressure because you're panicking. Um, and then doing your elbow escapes or your upper bridge and roll, whatever you want to call it. Um, whatever the control. two, whatever the two things from that position that you've you've created in your mind that that's what you're going to go to, go to those things, right? right. And from side control, same idea. Um, for me being not good and smaller, usually I can get my knees in easier than big people. So guard recovery was really important for me off the bat. Um, like on side control escapes and whatnot. Um, and just trying to do those couple things. Everything's going to feel new because when you're not going to know what to do on top or bottom, but bottom is worse and bottom is more likely what's going to happen first. Um, if you're on top and you don't know what to do, you're going to get rolled off and two seconds and you're on the bottom mm-hmm. so you may as well focus on what to do on the bottom yeah just okay no. not a little bit and the top stuff will kind of come naturally eventually i totally agree and you're kind of refocusing on uh the guard recovery now since you're working open guard yeah yeah <laughs> trying to not only be in the close guard all the time <laughs> you've done a good job with that too so um Funny so story though on the that kind of reminded me earlier i almost forgot with with not knowing what to do or whatever, I went the other day with Mark, went for a Kimura. You are not going to believe what happened. You let it go. Not get a Kimura. But I went for it. I thought it was interesting afterwards. Oh, so you didn't let it go. You just didn't get it. Mm, yeah. Yeah, we're going to just change so you the let it go. a little bit. Yeah. Don't say it like that. It sounds terrible when you say it like that. I used it to advance my position to him passing my guard. <laughs> it's not, technically that's not advancing your yeah, position I'm advancing, advancing backwards <laughs> some would call it retreating I don't know. <laughs> regressing your position yeah so uh yeah I, I haven't gone for one of those in what feels like forever 
there. But his arm was down, and I just jumped on it because they were doing it in the kids' class that day. Yeah. But I I haven't, I haven't even attempted one in forever. But yeah, Yeah. I I went for it. It was like in a half guard thing, and he just passed the guard and ended up on top. And I get into the awkward, you know, he's gonna reverse go on me, and I let it go because it hurts my shoulder. Yeah, because I'm doing it wrong. Yeah, that reverse kimura is horrible. Yeah, it's not good. No, it's it is. But I don't don't know. Maybe I'll go for another one this year before the year's up. Yeah, I went for one so far in 2019. (laughs) I'm just gonna start leaving my elbows out everywhere. Whatever. Don't care. Frame (laughs) off of them. Push away. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Uh, What this kind of brings me to. one of the questions one of our teammates had last night whenever we were talking and this this uh this guy is a is a bigger guy and and um relatively experienced white belt and and you know he was asking me because i'm a bigger guy as well you know jeff what did you do some of these newer white belts are um well let's just call it what it is spasm mm-hmm. a little bit you know whenever you're doing it and and should i stay in top position and control them or or should I go on bottom and I said well you know I'm glad you asked because I you know I sought counsel on this whenever I was new into jiu-jitsu and early on into jiu-jitsu and got some what I think was really good advice and the first bit of advice is you know with those folks always defend yourself right because that you don't want to get hurt yeah. whenever. And, and that's the most dangerous situation, right? Is, you know, new white belt that doesn't know the movements, motions. And and if you don't first protect yourself, that you're leaving yourself open for injury. So, so that was the first thing I, I told him. And the other thing was, you know, play bottom. Play bottom as a big guy. Learn that bottom and stay there. You know, geez, I think I did that for good six months. I still do it today. I love uh, that transformed me into someone who was accustomed to the top position because of my previous wrestling experience. I could hold that position on a lot of the newer people, but that wasn't helping my jujitsu. And I think he felt that way too. And so that was kind of my advice is play bottom. And, you know, if we're doing positional or anything like that, not just rolling positional uh, drills, you know, just mirror their intensity, right? If, yeah. You know, if, and, and make sure that they know if, if that's happening or if they express frustration that, hey, you're just mirroring their intensity and, and move forward from that. Yeah. Anything else on that? I think that's pretty much <clears throat> the best advice you can give them. Like, I don't know, you pretty much covered it all. Don't get hurt. Yeah. Train areas where you're not great and, Use that to get better. Yeah, hundred percent. Because who cares, right? If I mean, if you're having so if you're having trouble recovering guard with someone who is better than you, then work on it with someone who's not better than you, mm-hmm. right? That's going to give you the reps that you need to develop that muscle memory. Yeah. So like I I was talking to you the other day. We were just talking about with not being closed guard. Is I suck at like holding people when I'm on top or maintaining top position well. And I've been working on that a lot. But if you are bigger and, you know, 99% of people you can get down and hold down, then you have that part figured out. It's work on the other stuff. Yeah. Don't 
don't only practice, I guess, what you're good at. What's well, wasted time, yeah. right? I mean, if if you've got a, a decent side control and you can hold that person for the entire round of side control, what's yeah. that? That that doesn't yeah. really matter. Now, granted, if you're doing something focusing on a competition or anything like that, maybe you want to do that, but then you focus on getting the finish, getting the submission, or something of that nature. Yeah, that's that's productive, right? But mm-hmm. but if just in just regular training, focus on those weak points, not the strong points. Yeah, strong points will be there. Very good. So so this is what we kind of talked about before, but I didn't tell you what I was going to tell you. And this is that part. And that is that, you know, next week I'm competing and you know how I love Joe Rogan podcast, right? Mm-hmm. So Khalil Roundtree, uh, who just beat Eric Anders, uh, in the UFC dominated him. Actually, it was an impressive, uh, performance and Eric Anders was, was game the whole time, but, he was on the Joe Rogan Experience uh, MMA show, and he talked about changing his training up, and he was in Thailand for the four months before the fight, and he also, before that fight... Was uh, he on the show before or after the fight? After the fight. Okay. And also before that, his dominating performance, he, um, he went to a mental coach and utilized hypnosis. Mm-hmm. for that so when I heard this I started looking up mental coach hypnosis in Charlotte area yeah and I found one and I called them her name was Mel and I'm going to go and do a hypnosis session uh, on Monday about for mental preparation for competition it's hmm. weird yeah, I mean, it's yeah. a little weird. It's super weird. I think it's going to be fun, though. When are you going? Monday. How long does it take? I have no idea. I feel like I have to film it. I don't... I mean, I don't... That's got to go in a documentary. I, I'm I'm open to it. I mean, I'm... Documentary. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, a filmmaker over here, Phil? Gonna go in the Jeff Boone documentary. <laughs> That's super interesting. What did he say it helped with? Um, just the his mental attitude going into the into the fight. He he battled with um, uh, he, fear of negative outcome. You know, on the fight, and and he said by going to that coaching, that hypnosis through that that the only thing that he started seeing then was positive outcome. And he expressed that positive outcome wasn't always a win. That positive outcome was that he did his best in the competition, right? You know, and and visualization and visualizing him winning, but more more appropriately not allowing his... um, his brain to get in the way whenever he was in there and just, just perform to the best of his abilities. Do you think, do you have a negative attitude towards no. or thoughts towards your... No. No, I don't. I don't, but I will tell you this. Um, the, the, I would the, almost like you to do this one without it and then do another one in like three months with it. 
because I think you have a different attitude now than you did a year ago, especially in regards to your confidence in your jujitsu. I think it, I don't know. I'm almost curious that way to see if there would be a major difference because from where you were a year ago to where you were 46 years ago when you were wrestling in high school, the difference... <laughs> I said that long, I, 30 <laughs> years ago, okay? No, 32 years ago. I think the difference in you personally is is greater. Yeah, I agree. But just, just as a... To see if you... You know what I mean? Like to see if the mental difference would be there of not being anxious before a match because of jiu-jitsu and your confidence comfort with it or if it would be even more so with the the hypnosis or it'd be hard to tell if you do both at the same time. You mean you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not I'm not so concerned about making it a clinical study, you know. I'm I, like just uh, for example, you know, whenever I first decided I was going to compete again, every time I would think about because I'd vi- I'd visualize you know kind of walking out on the mat and 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 doing that stuff, and every time I would do that, I would get anxious and my palms would start sweating and you know your your mind starts racing and guess what? It's going to be ten times that whenever you actually do it, mm-hmm. right? So I just started meditating on it and and vi- visualizing it, and now. You know, each night whenever I, I do that visualization, that meditation, I have zero anxiety. I'm not going to say that I'm going to have zero anxiety going into it, but yeah. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be better. And everybody has anxiety whenever they're going into that competition. But if I can minimize that, it's going to, you know, the 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 responses that we get by retaining lactic acid from all that anxiety and the fight or flight mechanism i think that's going to be positive in my experience with the competition so that's kind of what i'm doing yeah it's cool interesting okay i thought you'd make fun of me more on it no because um no i think it's just a different way to like prepare for it i guess okay yeah all right i'm up for have you filmed it too? I don't yeah, I'm not gonna actually film it. Okay, good. It's just a All joke. Right. But that's that's good. But uh, yeah, no, that was that was a joke. But no, I, uh, yeah, I never would have guessed that. Didn't, okay. Didn't even know that was a thing. I had a friend who quit smoking with it. Like an hypnosis. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, he quit smoking. A long time ago now, probably over ten years ago. Way wow. Ago. Yeah. What what did it? I don't know. He just said he was, him and his mom were going and he quit and she didn't. Oh, okay. 50% success rate on that family. I think if I remember right, that's how it went. A long time ago, but I know, I know he quit and he smoked like as much as I did, which was like a pack a day or more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now you're down to a half pack? Yeah. Just <laughs> kidding, folks. Phil does not smoke anymore. Uh, uh, moving on to the next subject... It, this really interesting post um, by John Donaher, and it was, you know, maybe it was a little bit uh, foreshadowing of his next instructional. I don't know. I think he's pretty brilliant on the, the marketing aspect yeah. of that, and probably 
was foreshadowing, but but I think it's nonetheless a valid point of what he made in that, you know, to be able to um, most readily look at the most common scenarios, right? And practice those common scenarios, practice the moves from those uh, common scenarios and to train those more than you train other things. And then that, that kind of followed along with what we're doing with this podcast. And that is that we're trying to help people get better faster. Cause if you do jujitsu, you're going to get better no matter what, if you just keep training and do consistency and all that. But yeah. that, that's what he said. Got people in the blue room better faster is looking at that scenario based training. Is that his gym? Is that what he called it? Well, it's Henzo Gracie Academy, but the, okay. the blue room is the basement that they okay. that they train in. Famous. Yeah, I mean, I knew that, but some people may not. Right, know. I got it. You're clarifying for the yeah. listeners. <laughs> Good move, Phil. Yeah. Uh, you're going first on this one. Okay. Because I was, because you sent that to me, and I was going to argue with you about it, but I want to hear your thoughts first. Yeah, I mean, wrong. the thing is why why i sent it to you is i think it's interesting and i think that in my my thinking has kind of evolved a little from when i did send it to you i think that was like three days ago i I know but i think about this stuff right and and i think yes it's important those common scenarios with you know that's why we do positional sparring right those are those are common scenarios Mm -hmm. and so so that goes along with my evolution of what i was thinking in that we do positional sparring that is doing exactly what he's saying is focusing on those positions Mm -hmm. you know and doing using those most common positions those most common you know whether it's pass sweep or submit those most common techniques that's where we spend the majority of our time training. Yeah. So whenever I think about it, I think, yeah, that it's he's correct, but it, he may be pointing out a little bit of the obvious on that. All right, I took it different then. What did you take it as? Let's, I took it as train, train his systems. Like, take those most common positions and... Just focus on training those. So you know everything about that position. Yeah, take the front headlock, like work that to a, to a guillotine. If you're on the ground, work for the back, work for the kimura, work for the triangle, and just end up with legs, obviously, with him. But, you know, that's how I took it, is, like, build that game. And conveniently, he has a bunch of DVDs that will yeah. help you do yeah. that. Um, Entire system, you might say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. That's how I took it. As like, you want to get better faster, you work on these positions. Like, by position, like the way John says the Kimura is a position. Yeah. Not a submission. Yeah. That's, how, that's how I took it, is work his five or six or whatever they are things and drill those and try to get to those positions okay that's what that's how i read it i like that mentality man i mean i like that mentality it's just that how do you practically do that 
I was going to say you don't like it. Because I took it as you were saying, like, this is what we should be doing to get better. When you've already gone through it, you did it once with the Kimura and you were bored in two months. I was, gonna, I was going to argue against it that we don't train that way because, like, Ryan was half joking with me the other day where he's like, I feel like you just get excited with a new move of the week every week. And we kind of do. Sure, yeah. You know, like, move uh, on. Always, got short attention Always stands. trying to do something new every 10 minutes. Which isn't wrong, you know. It well, probably I, is. I, I do it, but <laughs> even with stuff that I find success with, I... I seem to stop going for that and, and move on to other things pretty quickly. So you're saying you don't delve in to know everything that, about that position at the beginning of doing that position. You get a familiarity with it and then move on. Yeah, I mean, I've never done that. I don't think there's been enough time for me to do that with any position. But I... Yeah, I would kind of say... Other than, like, closed guard, I would... Like, kind of everything in the closed guard, that's the only thing I would say that I have a lot of knowledge of different situations because I've spent so much time in it compared to everything else to different reactions and whatnot. But I've never, I don't know, I've never had the desire to, like, learn a specific thing that long, you know, and kind of keep working that forever. So, huh, you may have just proven my point with your last statement. Okay. And that is, the most dangerous part of your game is the closed guard. Yeah. I'm and not... lo and behold, you learned the most about the closed guard because you played it the longest. Yeah, so I'm not going to say his way is wrong for getting better. Especially if you're trying to become like the no-gi world champion, which is what he kind of specializes in, I think. I mean, isn't that what you're trying to do, Phil? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Neither. If you wanted to get better faster, yeah, I think do that. But I've also, like, you know, do those systems, and they are the most common positions. I'm not arguing that. No, for sure. But for I just think we do it different, where it's more based around having fun and exploring the other positions. Now, I've heard I've heard of people who, you know, might be a experienced blue belt who have a triangle that's like a black belt level, and then they get put into a bad position, and they don't know what to do. You know, I think that can happen if you focus too much on one thing. I don't think we ever do that. Um, but, you know. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. Sure, there's, I mean, everybody's going to have a certain predilection to uh, a position, a submission, a, you know, something like that. Yours is closed guard. Mine's the Kimura. Uh, and now even the triangle. I really like the triangle. Really trying to get in it and try to, trying to, enter into it not just in the basic entries you know doing that mount triangle it's something that yeah. that's intriguing because because I feel like I understand the triangle a little bit more now you mm-hmm. know from doing it for a while so yeah I think our debate was a little anticlimactic on that whole thing I thought we were going to argue yeah I misunderstood it. I, you, we both read the post differently yeah you, you read it as the positional sparring, which I... I was talking with somebody the other day, too, and they were talking about positional sparring, and they were not saying they don't like it, but, like, we start the side control one almost with a locked-in side control, and then you have to try to escape it. The bottom position sucks. Yeah. Um, his point was, like, where does this start? Because 
like if you're passing my guard, I'm fighting. Most of my fight is to not let you get side control. I and I guess I get that point, but at the same time, better people are just gonna put you in there. Like they're gonna put you in that spot. So, you know, get better at getting out. I don't know. I'm that's surprised. So I, that's one of my favorite things is a positional sparring. Yeah, I, especially I like the really back. Like whenever you, you, we have our each other's backs. I mean, that's uh, you, you <laughs> get that. What? Just sounds funny. What? We take we each other's back. back. We have each other's back. Just oh, we yeah. just sound funny. We do have each other's back though. <laughs> uh, the uh, no, I I like positional. I think positional sparring does two things that one people don't realize is. That saves you a lot of energy. So you can go a lot longer at open mat if you break it up because you do not spend anywhere near the same amount of energy doing positional back and forth sparring as you do in a five minute open round. Yeah. I don't think people realize that. That's why the open mats on Sunday can easily go an hour and a half and two hours where a lot of other open mats you're kind of burnt out after 45 minutes. Yeah. Uh, or at least, you know, feeling it different. But, um, and it, it really helps you like work on the specific stuff and it is a bad position and I'm not I wasn't trying to argue with him saying like you know yeah just give up your guard retention and give him side control and work and getting out but this is for the situation when you are stuck because that happens a lot especially when you're not good mm-hmm. and then also when you, you get to work the you know when you're on top I mean that's why we also well that's why we also work pass sweeper submit because you're gonna fight for retention when we're working on pass sweeper submit. So I just had a you know next time I'll have the better answer to that question. You didn't have that answer to that question. Not at the time. No, I just made it up as I was talking. Wow, right. I didn't put that together. Okay. Because I get his point where you don't let him pass the guard or fight for that or you know don't let him lock in. But that I mean I people pass the guard and they lock inside control. That's a thing that happens. Yeah. So working on the escapes is important for sure no i totally agree i, th- I think that the, the positional sparring is very important while we inc- incorporate it into our kind of open mat scenario on sunday so i think that's you know super this important guy just totally got up and walked out said i'm not doing it i don't accept that now <laughs> it wasn't a, it was just a comment that was made and it made me think about it but um kind of just tying that together with the positional sparring that you said but i really like positional and i can work that um I almost prefer that to the to the open rounds because I I don't know I like the position on switching up. Well, I think so, and and that is that I mean because really Phil, unless you're going with one of the upper belts, how many times are you getting your back taken during a roll? It's never happened before. <laughs> <laughs> not true, but not far off. I mean, you do. 10 rolls in a session, maybe you get your back taken once. If you do positional sparring, guess what? You're doing eight minutes or however long your rounds are of that position. That just exposes you to that position so much more. I mean, folks out there, if you're not doing positional sparring, you're cheating yourself. Plus, like going all the way back to the first thing we talked about, this is what I said about positional sparring since I started. You get the immediate feedback and you get to go back and do it again. When you pass my guard and put me in side control in the open round if you choose I'm not getting out unless I tap like I'm stuck there one I need to practice the position of escaping surviving and then escaping in side control and two I need to work on the pass sweeper submit side of the drill 
of not letting you pass the guard. So what you're saying is we're going back to Knowing Daniel Coyle's talent code and putting ourselves into deep learning mode whenever we're doing positional sparring because we're correcting our mistakes immediately. Yes, because you, you're going to go out and you're going to get swept. And then you're going to come back in and you're going to get swept again. And yeah. then after like 25 times, you're going to be like, oh, when I move my knee to the middle, they're sweeping me to that side. Or if I put this knee up and this arm is, is caught, I'm getting swept to that side. So that that immediate feedback is, I feel like, such a better way to learn than you're in a five-minute round and you get swept. You don't know why. You don't get a chance to fix it. You're on the bottom of side control. Now you're on the bottom of side control and you're not sure what to do. That person Because takes, you didn't do positional sparring? That person takes... 10 to 40 seconds to either trans, uh, transition to the mount or just submit you from side control. Or worse, from a training perspective, they just hold you in side control for the next four minutes and you get nothing out of four minutes. Awful. Yeah, that's awful. I mean, and that happens in the positional sparring. When you get to somebody who's, I feel, close to your skill level, that is going to sometimes just kind of hold you and you're in a stalemate because... You, you're you so close that you can feel and see their attacks coming. and But they're so close that they can feel your escapes, you know? So that that is also, th- you know, that's going to happen. But listen, position retention is something that is also beneficial in that scenario. In other words, especially, and I'm going back to this, um, having someone's back, is that you get better at repositioning whenever they're trying to escape. So both people are getting better at the position. Mm-hmm. You know? The attacker and the escaper. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, got a chance this week to train with uh, James Boomer Hogaboom at Triangle Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, the class taught by Seth Champ. He's uh, he's going to be on the pod- podcast at some point in time, so yeah. looking forward to that. And I got to train with the uh, guy I was in the um, absolute finals with last year at Greensboro. Uh, this week it was an awesome training. It was so much fun. They were they were so welcoming. It was you know great roles. We did seven minute rounds, which you know I love the longer rounds. Yeah. And just a shout out to those guys at Triangle Jiu-Jitsu. Just, it was a lot of fun. I, I just can't tell you how much I enjoyed the training this week. It's awesome. Yeah. I'm excited to get up there and train with you there. I like like all those guys. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Oh, I left out Brandon too. Brandon and Chop. So, uh, but, uh, so Philly, what's new on the that we're going to be selling on the BJJ campaign website and Facebook page soon. CBD. That? Yeah. Oh, you're talking about our our deal that's still in the works. Yes, big announcement. Yeah. So, some people who know me might know I drink a little bit too much coffee. A lot too much. Um, so I'm always drinking coffee on the show. So, uh, my friend who runs a great coffee business is dying to get me to try his coffee on the podcast and get my energy levels up um and yours so so we should be having some coffee for sale soon and what's the name of the company 
We'll see. We'll see, see what they do when they come through those, those sponsorship uh, yeah. Yeah. dollars, right? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> or coffee. This is not. We don't really get paid for any of this stuff, folks. It's, I would say it's going to be coffee, this probably. Is intentionally to annoy Scott. Yeah. Good. No, no, I get it. I like it. Uh, next thing we've got rolling out. Uh, thanks to uh, Joey Plyler for for inspiring us on this one. He shouldn't have said his name. Now he's going to talk about how it's five in a row. Ah, shouldn't have said his name. You're yeah. right. So if he ever we'll shows, back, when he shows back up to roll, we'll... Because uh... <laughs> he doesn't come to class anymore <laughs> since he got his blue belt. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. What what, what what do we get from Boomer at, uh, at Toro BJJ, K-Side? We're going to have gi patches. Yes, four-inch gi patches. Uh, in the little shield... Logo. If you're watching the uh, YouTube video right now, I'm pointing at the uh, BJJ campaign logo on the wall of our uh, world headqu- worldwide headquarters. Coming at you live. It's fire in the kid inside. <laughs> it's not loud. Um, <laughs> so that, and and I'll tell you this, another one of our sponsors is that, that um, I had a little, a little forearm tightness and, and, uh, a little pain, actually. Last night after our, our Nogi session, put the Green Compass CBD cream on it. This morning, woke up refreshed, rejuvenated. Uh, CBD cream, CBD oil. You know, I I don't know about you, but it's it's really helped with recovery with regards to the cream. And I know you've really gotten some positive benefits out of the uh, out of the CBD oil for sleeping. Yeah, I've been using CBD for like a year with the oil. Yeah. So Green Compass, it's, you know, folks are in North Carolina. It's a, a, a locally grown, uh, locally processed, also third-party independent testing. So it's quality CBD uh, oils and creams. It's not, you know, something where you've just got, you know, some tea tree oil that you're that you're putting in your body. You know, it's, it's, it's all regulated. Uh, from third-party testing, so so really happy to have that sponsor. We've got to mention our our first sponsor that we ever had, and that's my my BJJ nights. So who Rick, who runs that? Mike Rolario. Happy birthday, Mike! Oh, it's his birthday today. Happy birthday, Mike! Um, but yeah, you know something. If, if you're in this campaign and and something that's really going to help you uh, get better, retain. Just by just by writing it down, you utilize that my BJJ notes. You know, yeah. Man, guard retention. A play on guard retention would have been such a better name for his notes. What? What? Like I don't know, like knowledge retention or something for your guard, for your guard retention, for my BJJ notes. The name of the app. Does this not make sense to you? No, not at all. Back to you. Mm. <laughs> I get it now. Guard took me a second. Yeah, guard retention. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. remembering and still a terrible the... idea, Phil. I think my BJJ notes is way better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, listen, you've got a lot of gems, but some of them are stinkers. You know, mm-hmm. you're gonna have that every now and then. But uh, but yeah, Phil, tell them how they can support us. Uh, YouTube. Videos are going to be getting a little bit better sooner or later. Uh, subscribe there. Instagram, Facebook. Uh, leaving the suggestions, like uh, the question we got about you know being frustrated and trying to remember what to do. Um, that's the kind of stuff that we're always looking for. That's um, 
really good questions that we still are trying to work on ourselves. So all that really helps. Um, the Shop Now button is on Facebook, so you buy a t-shirt, um, takes you to the website, and you'll look a lot cooler. It really improves your jiu-jitsu. Uh, that'll actually help you remember what to do if you're wearing the shirt when you're rolling. So you could always do that. And yeah, that should be it. And come train with us. Yeah, no, we'd love that. We'd love that. Uh, just a quick shout out we um, to the Fight to Win team growing. Uh, our Mooresville location opened up. Um, Wednesday. Wednesday, yeah, the first of the month. Uh, so that's awesome. They met that deadline, and and John and Charlie uh, teaching up there. You know, that's that's great. We're going to have our Sunday rolls there this week. So, so really looking forward to that. Really, really happy for that expansion. I think that, that Mooresville, North Carolina is going to be a great place for that. So, um, so for all the listeners out there, you know, if you're not doing something to make yourself better each and every day, get out there and do it. Phil and I, we choose jujitsu. We hope you do too. I'm about to feed them to the sharks right now. Get them hype right now. Yeah. You know the ground is up. Yeah. Everybody that trains, you know the game. Yeah. So let's get it. Uh. Slap it up, bump it and roll. Hey. Yeah, that's the way that it go. Ain't no better way to better yourself in this game, you're feeling the growth. That's time on the mat, we put in the work. Believe it ain't easy, I know. But we train for the love of the game, the love of the art. Now slap it up, bump it, let's roll. Let's roll.